you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, serving him with meaning and purpose. And after yesterday's broadcast, I mean, God just really did a work on my heart, how we should serve him, how great he is. With me again out there in uh, North Carolina, Kevin, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Doug. A rainy good morning. How is life on the road? You know, life on the road is... um, you know, replete with challenges, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it is rewarding with blessings. You know, uh, brother, I'm getting to meet some of the greatest people. Um, yeah. honestly, you know, I, I, I dropped in at a church Sunday and the pastor, the, I, I didn't even know that the pastor knew I was there. I kid you not huge church. I no sooner sit down and, uh, the pastor says, we have a missionary here, brother Kevin, stand up, come up, come up here. And, uh, he had me go up and say stuff about the work. So, you know, people come up to me afterwards. It's like, wow, you know, let's talk. So, you know, I just love that. I do too. And, and, you know, nowhere near the time on the road that you spend, obviously. And, uh, but I remember years ago, one of my better stories, not too far from where you're at now, I had a meeting and I remember I was, uh, I was driving to get there on time. I had come over and I was coming out of uh, Virginia and I was trying to get on the other side of Winston-Salem to an old tobacco part of the country out there. And as I went down where the land got a little bit flatter, I, uh, I remember I was coming up this back road toward the church. I was about three miles, according to my MapQuest printout, that's before GPSs, uh, from the church. And this car run, all but runs me off the road. I mean, just wipes me out. You know, and I tried my best to maintain a good attitude or whatever, but I got back in the car and I drove over there and sure enough, I went there to meet the pastor and it was him who ran me off the road. Brother. Oh, no. I, I, I'll never forget that. He, he's like, brother, I owe you an apology. I was trying to beat you here. And, and I thought certainly a, a guy like you wouldn't be driving a beat up old Honda going to a meeting up here. And I said, sorry, oh, brother, my that's soul. my, that that's my bad. wheels right there. And, uh, anyway, he, he turned out to be a good brother, but I'll never forget that. You never know who you're going to run into on the road in a church. I'm glad that your story was, you met someone at our church and I went to another church from there on Sunday night, got there about an hour and a half early for the prophet's chamber. And there was this old fellow, he was standing on the steps and sweeping and he was smoking a cigarette. And I went up to him and I said, excuse me, sir, can you tell me where the pastor's office is at? I got to go meet him. He said, I'll be right with you, brother. It was the pastor. Praise God. Some things you just don't, you just don't forget. So here we are in chapter two, talking about the life of Christ. And there's things you learn out there, folks. I'm telling you, you could make a TV show about being on the road, but here we go. So we find ourselves in John chapter two, continuing on with the life of Christ. And it said, after this, and verse number 12, it said, he went down to Capernaum, um, I'm sorry, Capernaum, 
And he and his mother and his brethren, the worst thing you can do is have to turn pages when you read it on a microphone, brother. I just want you to know that. And his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. Money changers. Watch out for those money changers, brethren. And here in verse 15, it says, and when he had made a scourge, a whip we call them these days, a scourge of small cords. He drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen, put out the changers money and overthrew the tables. I said to brother Kevin a few minutes ago, I said, I hope we get to watch videos of that when we get to heaven, praise God. I want to split. Everything's going to be holy and great in heaven. We won't get to see it. It's just something I'm saying. I don't know what I'm doing. But and said in verse number 16 on the map that sold dove, take these things that hence make not my father's house a house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house have eaten me up. And, and here we are. We're in this place where the Lord uh, goes down and Passover is coming up. And, and uh, so he heads down to Jerusalem. And uh, I'd like to be in Jerusalem someday during Passover. And, uh, and, and he gets down. He goes to the temple. And, folks, I'm sure you've all been there at one time or another where you go to a church of the wrong place and, and things like that. And, uh, uh, and, and, man, everything's bad there. But Passover, we remember that song, He will pass, he will pass over me, uh, over you. <laughs> I can't sing and I can't remember songs either. Those two things against me. Uh, but we know it's a significant, very significant, and the most of significant uh, Jewish festival that commemorates their liberation from the slavery, from uh, the, the being there in Egypt. And, uh, uh, and so here we are, this wonderful holiday, a godly holiday, a time where we as Jews, I'm thinking is what the Lord's saying to himself, when, when they as Jews should be at their best behavior, that's Easter before it's Easter. It's not as good as Easter, don't get me wrong, but that's that big high holiday. And Kevin, they got there and the place was a mess, had nothing to do with God, but everything to do with making money. Yeah, yeah. You know, our Lord later on came back and had to cleanse it again, um, just right after the triumphal entry, the day after the triumphal entry. But um, he came and found just uh, nothing in the order that it was supposed to be that would indicate they were waiting for the Lord's coming there. And and that that troubled him, troubled him greatly. Um, you know, they were selling animals. They were selling doves. And it says they were changing money. So evidently, what I've read is that uh, they did not, for, for these animals, they didn't just accept any kind of money. It had to be, quote, temple money. Yeah. So they had an exchange place, and they made a profit by making the exchange of mm. coins. And, uh, and I, I, I know how, you know, that's painful. It's painful to the people that are doing it. That, I mean, to, to the people that are having to get get quote temple money to buy the animals and and just make the you know f go through the system but it's a terrible thing uh, i remember there was a period of time this is uh going back five years because uh we used to get love offerings uh at churches and the, it would be a check and you had to go down to the to the issuing bank or you had to right. take it and mail it into your bank right. or carry it along with you it was it was just a pain, and you'd go to the issuing bank, local bank that the church had an account in, 
at about five years ago, it got over maybe five to 10 years ago, it got over the top with them wanting to extract the fee because you, yeah, you didn't have an account there. Well, Hey, I'm a guest speaker. They, they didn't care. They're like, we're going to take 10%. We're going to take $3. We're going to take $10. And, um, uh, I remember one preacher was overseas in Australia. They gave him a check for a thousand. I think they wanted to take 300 just to have it transferred to American money. Um, and it had to, it had to do with the, the bank over there and then also the exchange rate. So they were double whamming, but it was just a painful thing. And, and, uh, you know, our Lord was not happy that they were making it difficult to, to make sacrifices because, you know, it's in the new, in the new Testament, the equivalent would be the simplicity of the gospel is that whosoever will may come, uh, with, without, you know, without money, just bring the lamb of God. That's all you need. You need Jesus. Mm. And so these people, all they had to do is come with a, an animal, a fitting and acceptable animal. And that identification with the animal, um, would, would be there, would be God's way of accepting them at the Passover time. Anyway, long story short, it was all about Jesus. Jesus showed up to the thing. It was supposed to be all about him. It wasn't. And he started to clean house. Yeah, he sure did. And, and I'll tell you, there's so many things we got to remember. And, you know, those first two nights of Passover is you have the, uh, the Seder, which is these wonderful meals that have to be perfectly dietary restrictions, certain things you can eat. You can't have yeast, obviously, during that time because they had to leave in haste when they left Egypt. So the bread was unleavened. They had to make it real quick and cook it over fire and eat it and just as quickly as possible. And so you had this matzah, this unleavened bread, and, and you had to have four cups of of this wine. And generally it was a new wine. It was the best taste in wine and, and, or, or what we'd call grape juice. And it had to be traditionally consumed. I mean, so there was, there was steps that had to go in place. The place was spotless. It was like getting ready for an Easter Sunday. There's cleaning, there's vacuum cleaning, there's, there's decorating. It's all about God. We want the place to look good. There's going to be visitors we haven't seen in a year. There's going to be great things going on, but something happened in that temple in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They took their eyes off of God and they put their eyes on how they could make a buck. Uh, they were a bunch of hirelings. They were selling doves for sacrifices. They were selling these other animals. They had all this stuff going on in the temple. And uh, what a terrible, it's like going to your home and leaving the kids home alone and coming back a few days early and there's a big party going on at your house. It's a no-go. That's not happening. Get out. You know, you'd just be so upset. And uh, folks, sometimes we just need to go back to cleaning house. Sometimes we need to get right. Hang with us. We'll be right back with you. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. It 
it is well with my soul. And, you know, here we are. And, and you know, Passover, here you're supposed to have this time of remembrance. Hey, we got out of Egypt. You're having this time of reflection. You know, we did what was right. We trusted God. We stepped out. This is a time where we thank God for what he's done for us. And brethren, we don't do enough of that today. It's a, you know, we're supposed to be having this wonderful celebration and this deliverance from slavery, this deliverance from these Jewish people uh, suffering from, you know, prejudice and all these different things in their life. And God shows up and Kevin, I can't help but think in my mind, what does God find in our lives? It may not be the doves. It may not be the animals. It may not be all these different things, but I wonder if God comes into our home, what he would see that would upset him that we're not placing him first. We're not waking in the morning and praying to him and studying to him. We're not placing him first in our lives and in our churches. I mean, Kevin, when you think about that, what would Christ say where we go to church? Mm. Boy, you, you look at the, the house of God and then you look at the house of Christians and yeah, if Jesus did come in, what would, what would he find? Um, you know, I was thinking about these people that were in the temple. They were to be the, you know, they were religious leaders. So they were to be like the shepherds of Israel, ushering the flock, taking care of the flock, helping them along to, 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 to find green pasture and fellowship with the Lord. But instead, they were looking out for themselves. And um, whether it's the home or the church, you know, if the shepherd, if the leader is actually self-serving, it it is it'll mess people up i was uh looking up john 10 while you were talking john 10 verse 12 says but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose owned the sheep or not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep so right there the hireling fleeth so if a wolf comes and that that's that's trauma. That's trauma enough. If the boss man goes into flight mode for himself and he and he doesn't care, that's that's double trauma. Well, that right there is the average abusive situation. You know, you got something. You know, oftentimes an external factor, whether it's something went wrong with the kids, whether it's something went wrong with the finances, but you know, from there. I'm thinking of the husband, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a man. So the, if the husband, the shepherd or the pastor of a church, like you were asking, Doug, you know, if Jesus comes into the church, if the pastor of the church has responds to a problem by compounding it and going into career mode and vocational mode and saying, uh Oh, you know, I've got to watch out for myself. I've got to watch out for my future. I got to make the. I got to come out of this landing smelling like a rose, and and you know, looking good. You know, facing in a good direction for myself. That is just going to double down on the trauma of the sheep, and these people that were that Jesus found. I think that he dealt with it hard and said, "Hey, you, you guys are supposed to be in charge. You're looking out for yourselves." Boom. And he drove them out. And you know what? Jesus is going to lower the boom for a lot of leaders someday, whether it's in the house or in the church, house of God or the house of the Christian. And the people that are supposed to be in charge, if they're in charge for selfish reasons to serve themselves, 
um, it ain't going to work. Jesus is going to overturn the whole thing, and you're going to have a, a marriage breakup. You're going to have a church breakup, uh, like Revelation chapter three and four, or two and three, where Jesus comes into the seven churches and he overturns the tables and says, "Look, man of God, look, church." You got this all wrong, and I'm going to overturn it, and I will take away your candlestick, meaning I'm going to shut the church down if you don't get this thing right. So, uh, yeah, Doug, this is a serious thing. The Lord's going to come in someday and uh, find us wanting if we're not careful. Yeah, and and exactly what Kevin's saying, be careful. You know, we uh, we learn a lot, for, I believe, from what happened there at the tev- temple uh, we need to have a reverence uh, for God's house. And, uh, you know, it's pretty, there, there's an importance that comes along with being the man of God, being the, the people of God, being the first lady of the man of God, being all, there's an importance that comes along and turning something into a marketplace, uh, you know, that should be honoring and worshiping God. It should be a place of worship. It should be a place where you come in and you know that the music's going to be right. The worship's going to be right. And I, I was trying to think of an example and sadly I have one. I remember years ago, I I went to a church, and while I was there, the pastor got done preaching a message, and then he said, now, I have my people making CDs for you right now at $10 a piece at the back table. That's what the pastor said to his people who hired him to be the pastor of the church, and and I might be wrong with the $10, but I remember that being a little bit ridiculous to me, and I think another lesson is we should have a zeal, and I think Kevin hit this real hard a minute ago, but there should be a zeal for holiness within the churches, within our lives, within all that we should do. Uh, We should have a zeal for making things right for God. There should be a zeal within us. It should come out of us. We should always be aiming for that. And and we should be opposed to that exploitation, to selling things, to doing things. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I just got to remember that this in my mind, and, uh, and over and over again, I tell myself is the zeal of thine house have eaten me up going back to that psalm we talked about in the first broadcast this week. Uh, you know, Jesus is confirming his identity. We're going to see that tomorrow. But, but Kevin, I think it's so important that when you're authority in a church, even when you're a person in the church, a member, uh, have that reverence, have that zeal. Uh, don't go anywhere where there's going to be exploitation. God expects more from us, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in First Samuel 2, the same thing, just what you're saying and what we're talking about took place. Samuel's sons, uh, I'm sorry, Eli's sons, Samuel's sons had some issues, but Eli's sons, so Eli was the priest in the house of God, and um, he just kind of got fat off the whole thing, literally, and he died from being overweight he fell and broke his neck but uh but you know it says it it, several times it says he sat on a seat in the temple and the priest really wasn't supposed to do a whole lot of that sitting down in the temple and uh but he was an old man at one point he was heavy and and uh long story short his sons uh, it says the sons of eli were sons of belial or belial they knew not the lord and it says in verse 17 of chapter 2, Wherefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. That jumped out at me when I first read that, that here we have the guys in charge, self-serving. You know, they they um, w- when people made an offering, they, they stuck in this uh, three-hooked 
meat, you know, flesh hook and pulled out, you know, something kind of like whatever came up was theirs. And uh, they were they were insistent about the way the people made it. And it had to be sodden flesh, uh, not sodden flesh, but raw. And uh, but anyway, it says that men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So, Doug, isn't it true that when people in Jesus day came to the temple, a lot of a lot of the gang had to say, oh, no, we got to go in here. And we got to lose money on the exchange, and we got to face these self-serving leaders. And um, brother, it was excellent that folks <laughs> ignored it and and went because of faithfulness to the house of God. But they are going to give an account to God uh, about the fact that they were so self-serving that uh, people abhorred the offering of the Lord. And I'm sure it was the same way in Jesus' day. People just felt miserable about the the whole idea of what the instead of what they should have felt is excited to serve God. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I had a friend of mine, his name was Elbert Chin, a Chinese American gentleman, was a good friend of mine. And he described this gentleman we worked with who was like Eli, who had a little bit too much to eat every day, was a civilian. And he used to say, Doug, that guy has more chins than a Chinese phone book. Hey, listen, folks, and this goes Elbert Chin who said that. <laughs> we love you guys. Listen, God bless you. Come back in the morning, and I promise no more. Well, there might be a corny joke, but we've got to dig into the life of Christ. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk to you anyway. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.